1: This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 266, and we are recording on January 26th, all the two sixes. Mm -hmm. I'm Jen Northington. I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hello, Amanda.
0: Hello. How are
1: you? Oh, you know, I'm still waking up. (laughs) Yay. It's very gloomy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Both of us are just waiting for snow to happen and it's not happening. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. that's our story today. (laughs) I'll
0: just impatiently drink cocoa. (sighs) Oh, Life is hard.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome. If you are new to this show, we're going to talk about books eventually, I swear. This is, as we said, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations, and you can send in your request if you would like via either email, getbooked at bookriot.com, or you can drop it in the form that's at the bottom of the show notes on the site for every episode, and you can send in a request for you, for your book club, for a friend or relative, really whatever, Uh, and we might answer it on air. If you have a time-sensitive request you're hoping to hear back by a specific date, please do put time-sensitive, all caps, in either the subject line of the email or the very first line of the form, along with the date you're hoping to hear back by. If we're not going to get to it on air, we might shoot you an email, so keep an eye out for those. And we have some feedback from Alice, who, for Amanda, who in episode 264 was looking for Greek mythology retellings, Alice warmly recommends one of three books by Stephen Fry, either Mythos, Heroes, or Troy. Fry is hilarious, extremely true to the original myth, and very good at explaining all the dynamics behind each of the stories, plus he is a great storyteller. All right. Uh, so let's see. Our first request, oh, it's from an insider. Our Book Riot insiders get to fast track their requests. So that's, that's fancy. If you feel like being fancy, you can go to insiders.bookriot.com for more information. Um, so this is from insider Jessica, who says, Two of my favorite books of all time are The Language of Flowers by Vanessa Diffenbaugh and The Sea of Tranquility by Katya Millay. The similarities I see, hopefully without spoiling too much, is that both books center on a young woman who has gone through a big traumatic event in the past, but you don't know what it is at first and get clues as you go along. Also in both books, the main character meets a young man who eventually becomes a love interest, but he moves very slowly, is extremely respectful of her need for space, and does not, quote, heal her trauma with his love, unquote. <laughs> Instead, he provides her a safe haven of unconditional acceptance so she can reach the point on her own. What books can you recommend that follow a similar arc? This is extremely specific. Is, yes. uh, before we get into our recommendations, though, let's
2: do a Sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Gallery Books. So Anna Green thought she was marrying Liam West for access to subsidized family housing while at UCLA, which is an interesting reason to marry someone, but you know, in this economy. So anyway, she signed divorce papers when the graduation caps were tossed and she thought she was done at Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read, and I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my All right, Amanda, what recommendation
1: do you have for a book about a young woman who has been through a trauma and also finds love and acceptance?
0: Uh, um, This was very specific. And there's such an obvious answer that I like I took this question to the contributors like do not know? Question mark. And of course, they were all like, it's Eleanor Oliphant. Hello. And I was like, oh, you're just right. So I picked Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman, which is about this thing that you have said. It is about a woman named Eleanor. Um. Obviously, Um, who is not completely fine. She has a job that's like, you know, kind of boring and not fulfilling. She has a drinking problem. She doesn't like people. She's like very socially awkward. And you don't know what her deal is at first or like how she got to be like this. She has a lot of neuroses. She gets visited by uh, like a social worker. And it, it unfolds the more you get to know her, uh, more about her background. You find out that she was in foster care. And then her big trauma is about the reason why she was in foster care. And I will give a trigger warning for this for child abuse. So she's dealing with all of that. She's not dealing with it very well. And then she meets a guy at her job named Raymond, who's an IT guy, who's like kind of sloppy and goofy and like friendly. And it's nice to her, which she's like very unused to and like does not know what to do with. And then one day when they're out in like in the world, I think at lunch an elderly they watch an elderly man have an accident he like falls so they go to help him and then the three of them become friends um and start to like you know heal each other's internal ouchies with their friendship and he it's there is a romantic element between eleanor and raymond but it is not like you mentioned in your question it is not like he's here to heal her with his face it's very like He can tell that she has some unresolved stuff going on. He gives her space. He gives her support. He offers her his friendship. And then you watch it kind of unfold from there. So secret drama, supportive dude who's not pushy, all the things that you're looking for. So that's Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman.
1: Yeah, I I actually thought of one right away. I thought of All the Birds Singing by Evie Wilde. Um, I will give... Content warnings for sexual assault and death of animals, um, because this is very much the book is very much about. Like it, it moves in two different time frames, so you get the main character. Her name is Jake, and she is uh, like an adult in one of the timelines, and she's like on this farm in I think it's like is it the Hebrides maybe? It's she's like a far out you know British island living in a farmhouse like trying to wrangle sheep with a collie and like Hmm. that's it's just her she's all alone and you know she wants to keep it that way but you don't know why and then you get this other timeline that is like her younger but it moves backward in time to her even younger self eventually revealing like the reason why she has chosen this extremely solitary existence but in the meantime present day jake is also like you know things are happening uh so you're moving back and forward in her life and sort of seeing, like, how did she get here? Why did she get here? And there's a lot of tough stuff that has happened, including, like, the original moment of trauma. And it's really fascinating. There is a relationship, but, you know, it's funny. It's been a while since I read this book, and I don't remember it being super central to the plot. So, like, if you're really, really wanting that relationship aspect to be a huge player in the book, I don't recall that it's that front and center but i do recall that th- that she develops satisfying relationships so I, like it's more about the young woman working through this trauma than anything else but it's really really good wild is a great writer and like the structure of the book is fascinating it doesn't feel like it should work but it totally does so again that's all the birds singing by evie wild
0: all right our next question is Either from Kate or Hannah, I put two names down. I don't know why. <laughs> Obviously, one of these is a typo. So sorry, either Kate or Hannah. I don't know which one you asked this question. Um, but Kate or Hannah says, I'm getting my BA in elementary education with an endorsement in early childhood education. And we need to read books from the following categories. Native American lit, Latinx lit, Asian American lit, African lit, and quote unquote other. So books that focus on non-mainstream religions, family structures, etc. I'm new to the world of early childhood and am hopelessly lost. Would appreciate your help. Okay, I couldn't figure out if you were asking for like kids books or books, like textbooks about those things. But I went with kids books. That's what, it, cause that's what I assumed you were asking for. So if I'm wrong, super sorry. I also got your name wrong. So I'm just a disaster <laughs> all over this question. Um, but I picked First Laugh, Welcome Baby by Rose Ann Tahi, Nancy Beau Flood, and Jonathan Nelson is the illustrator. And this is an adorable picture book about the first laugh ceremony in Navajo families. So in Navajo families, the first person who makes a new baby laugh gets to host the celebration called the first laugh ceremony. And so everybody in this book, you know, there's a new baby and the baby's mom and big sister and grandfather all take the kid and like try to make the kid laugh so they get to host this party. And so through this story, little kids who are obviously being read this book um, are introduced to all of these kind of details about everyday Navajo life, the Navajo words for different family members. Like they, you know, Anadi is a big sister. Um, uh, Nima is a mother, etc. cetera. Uh, it's really like cutely illustrated. There are a lot of little animals in it. It's just adorable. So that's First Laugh, Welcome Baby by Ann Tahi and Nancy Bo Flood.
1: Yeah, I had the same question as Amanda, and I also went with a picture book. Uh, So I picked Amy Wu and the Perfect Bao by Kate Jung and Charlene Chua. And this picture book is adorable. Uh, It's about a little girl named Amy whose family makes these amazing bao, which are these uh, small dumplings. And... They make them by hand. I know this book made me so (laughs) hungry, just for the record. And uh, her, you know, her grandmother's bow, her father's bow, her mom's bow—they always turn out perfect. But hers are always like kind of wonky. Like they're too big, they're too small, they don't have enough filling in them. So one day she's like, "I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna create the perfect bow." And it's basically her quest to do that thing. And she's got like a little cat sidekick, and the illustrations are really fun and vibrant. And I just, like, I'm going to buy this for a bunch of people because it's just so much fun. There is also, bonus, a recipe for Bao in the back of the book. So when you get done reading this and are starving, you now have a recipe option. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I loved it. It was great. So, again, that's Amy Wu and the Perfect Bao by Kat Jung, illustrated by Charlene Chua. All right. Our next question is from Isabel who, oh yes, who is from Orkney and asked about trees because the Vikings chopped all the trees down. (laughs) Hello, Isabel. We do remember you. Uh, Okay, so let's see. Isabel is looking for fiction recommendations that have a marine conservation theme. Due to some super trawlers that came through the area, we have sadly had some issues with strandings and deaths of marine animals, particularly orcas and seals, and it is now a rare week where I do not come across one or the other. That is really sad. That's terrible. Uh, Isabel says, any fiction recommendations with a theme of marine life or conservation would be much appreciated. Amanda, what did you pick? I picked The
0: Island of Sea Women by Lisa C, which is set on Jeju, which is a small island um, in Korea. And it is about two women who are best friends from like they meet when they're seven. Mija and Young Suk, and they work in the ocean with their villages diving, like collective, which is all women. And this is a very matriarchal village society, um, where the physical labor, the like really tough physical labor is done by women and it's mostly in the ocean. And women who are going to be doing that labor start their training super, super young, like elementary school age, super young. And they're, you know, diving to harvest food for the village in different seasons. They have, they have to, what do you call it, um die for a long time. I know there's like a technical term, but I can't remember it. They have to dog die for a long time, very into to like really deep waters and hold their breath forever. So the training starts super young so that they can hold their breath for minutes and minutes and minutes. And a lot of their training and a lot of their, you know, work throughout the years that they're doing these jobs is based around conservation. Because they know, you know, if you overharvest an area, there's not going to be food there next season for you to go back to. Um, so it's, it's very uh, ecologically focused. It's historical fiction, so it opens in like the early nineteen hundreds when these two girls meet, and then it, you're you're with the two of them in their relationship through Japanese col- uh, colonization, World War II, the Korean War, um, and on up into like the invention of wetsuits, which were like be- became super handy <laughs> for these women <laughs> whose entire lives are spent in the freezing cold ocean at all seasons. Mija, her father is a Japanese collaborator, which, uh, you know. M- marks her as an outsider in the village for like the rest of her life um and the other girl young sook is supposed to inherit the position of leading this group of female divers so she's in like a really weird kind of like awkward position this is her best friend but her dad is like a traitor and a criminal and what are we going to do about it and but they like remain best friends but there's now there's this like weird trust issue that they have and it's just all these like big international incidents that are happening you know throughout the the world that affect this little village and this group of athletic ocean divers and their um their friendships it's like you know the, the story of the world told on a really small scale with a big dash of conservation and marine living in there with it so that's the island of sea women by lisa c
1: I picked a speculative fiction novel that I read years ago and that I still think about regularly. It's The Man with Compound Eyes by Wu Mingyi, translated by Daryl Sterk. Um, I'm going to give content warnings for suicide and loss of a child, uh, suicidal ideation. And yeah, this this is a really interesting, weird, 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 weird book. It has two sort of storylines that start off separate and then intersect. One is on the island of Wayo Wayo, which is like, you know, I like don't know how to not give spoilers for this. Anyway, okay, so it's this island and it's a very insular place and every second son has to leave the island on the day he turns 15. And he, uh, like the, the character you're following there, Atelier, is getting ready to leave. And like, it's kind of understood that like these kids don't make it. Like, they leave and they're probably dead. But he is, he's a really strong swimmer. He's a good sailor. He is determined to like find other lands and interact with other people. And then you go to Taiwan, where there is a woman named Alice who is struggling with depression and suicidal ideation after losing her husband and her son, Um, and she is in not good shape. Uh, But then a huge amount of trash like brought up by, I think it's a tsunami, uh, crash lands on the shore near her house and brings Atalei with it. And she encounters this boy and they start to shape each other's lives. And the Pacific Garbage Patch is a huge part of this book. And there's all kinds of other things at play here, but... Our interactions with the ocean and specifically like all of our plastic trash that has created this, you know, gyre in the ocean is a huge part of the book. So I think it will, you know, both satisfy your itch to read more about that, but also it's just a really intense, interesting, fascinating, strange book. So again, that's The Man with the Compound Eyes by Wu Mingyi, translated by Daryl Sterk.
0: All right. Our next question is from Leslie, who says, I'm looking for more romantic heroes like Dawsey Adams from the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. The strong, silent type with still waters running very deep. Someone who falls hard but doesn't know what to do about it. Something with lots of pining. I'd be interested in either genre genre romance or a significant romantic subplot in any other genre. Okay, last week, we had a bunch of questions about no pining. And now we want lots of pining. So like, I love the funny, the pining seesaw. I don't know the seesaw pining. (laughs) I don't know what that is. Um, So I picked Wrong to Need You by Alicia Rye, which is just a straight up genre romance, just a romance. And it's the second book in the Forbidden Heart series. Usually I will say you don't need to read romance series in order. I think this one might actually be helpful to read it in order because all of the characters or all of the couples in the book are from either side of a family feud and you get most of the context for the feud in book one. So I will say just read book one. You will love it. It's amazing. Don't whatever. Don't at me. And then you'll get to this (laughs) one, which is book two with the strong silent type. Jackson is the main character. He is a strong silent type. He is silent in the streets and silent in the sheets. Like he is just still waters, still waters. Uh, And he has been accused of a crime that he did not commit 10 years before the book opens. And he has like fled. He's been working as a chef in various restaurants. And he was before he left town, he was in love with his brother's wife, Sadia, which, you know, hashtag awkward. And so his brother has died before the book opens. And so he is coming back into town to like check on her. He can't forget her um she has a son so he has a nephew that he's never met and like he wants to you know connect with so he comes back into town and she sadia has inherited a cafe that she is running and not not like super well i mean she's not failing at it but it's a lot of stress and she's a single mom and it's just like a lot to do she's bartending at night it's like a whole thing and so he shows up and is like hey i can help you and she's like sweet That sounds nice. Where the heck have you been for 10 years, you piece of crap? Like, she's real mad about him just up and disappearing um, and leaving her, you know, because they were friends before he left. And he just, like, abandoned her. So she's real mad about it. Big mad. And he's, like, still in love with her. And there's just a lot of pining. Just pining central. Um, It's a romance. I'm sure you can imagine what happens. Like... Quite explicitly, if that's what you're into, I am. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's like very steamy. I love Sadia. She's an amazing heroine. She's a single mom, which we don't get enough of in, in any genre, but especially in romance. And she's like very dominant in the bedroom and outside of the bedroom and just everywhere she goes, which I appreciate. Um, and Jackson is just yummy. Like he's a cinnamon roll. He is very sweet, but like doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to express himself. He doesn't speak much. Which I get when you're writing a romance, it's like how to do, you know, <laughs> like if he's never going to talk, how do you make the conflict happen? Well, it turns out that you make the conflict being how he never talks. That's that's what the conflict is. It's just oh, it's lovely. Very angsty. So that's Wrong to Need You by Alicia Rye.
1: That is my favorite book in that Alicia Rye series. Mm, yeah, it's Of a good the one. three. It's my favorite. Okay, I also picked you a category romance, uh, which I just read recently. It's so good. It's How to Catch a Queen by Alyssa Cole. It is Wonder of Wonders the first in a new series. (laughs) I know. There are uh, recurring characters from the Reluctant Royals, which is a previous series. uh, So, you know, that's fun. But it is meant to be the first in a new series. So uh, you can just start here for once. And this 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 sentence that Leslie wrote, uh someone who falls hard but doesn't know what to do about it mm. is the 100% accurate description of the hero in this book, Sanyu, who is the king of Njaza, which is an African nation that exists in this alternate world. And he has been raised by his father and his father's main advisor and he has been raised to be like literally the strong silent type like he Mm -hmm. has to be the strongest he has to be the most respectful he has to be the most confident like he has to be all of these like kingly qualities he's not allowed to be anything else so he literally has no idea how to do feelings he has them they're like in there and he actually has quite a bit of anxiety um oh right i meant to give a content warning for a description of panic and anxiety attacks But he like doesn't he's not allowed to feel things like fear or anxiety. So he just like decides that he doesn't, even though he obviously does. And he has Mm -hmm. no idea how to like be a person in this way because nobody has shown him. Um, And he there's this custom in this country where the king will marry a short term queen and then just like repeat indefinitely. Because in the religion, there's like, you know, the, there a true queen has to fill like X, Y, and Z boxes. And it's just impossible for any normal human woman to fill those boxes. So none of them can be a true queen. So they're just temporary. And he has been pushed to wed the first of what is supposed to be a, tem- a parade of temporary queens. But Shanti, who is the temporary queen in question... Is like, well, (laughs) I have worked very hard to get to be a queen and I am not giving up without a fight. Like she grew up you know underprivileged she has worked really really hard she has always wanted to be a queen since she was a kid and like unlike all of us who have wanted to be royalty as children she has stuck with it she has geared her entire (laughs) life around the uh, like trying to one day become a queen and she's like arranged marriage fine no problem where do you want me to go I will show up and I will be the best dang queen that you have ever seen and so (laughs) big queen energy yeah, biggest biggest queen energy. So she is the person who's supposed to be this temporary queen. And she's like, mm-mm. And uh, the conflict, it, it extends into all of these interesting directions. I mean, there are these advisors who are, like, telling Sanyu who he has to be and what he has to do all the time. The kingdom is in kind of a shambles because as much as Sanyu idolizes his father, he was, like, not the best king in various ways. Um, they're dealing with a legacy of colonialism that has really, you know, it's very difficult to overcome. And there's, there's real issues between Shanti and Sanyu also, as well as, it's a romance novel, lots of attraction. So it's just a really amazing look at, like... Yeah. How if you are a grown man who has been like surrounded by this sort of toxic masculinity ideals for your entire life, like even if you haven't internalized treating women poorly, which he has not, he still doesn't know how to like be a human who talks about his feelings. So like, how do you figure that out? And that is basically what this book is about. It's lovely. I loved it. Uh, So again, that's How to Catch a Queen by Alyssa Cole. All right. And now it is time for another sponsor
2: today's episode is brought to you by disney books do y'all like caribbean mythology What's more, a thriller inspired by Caribbean mythology? If you do, I got something for you. A must read thriller that draws from the darkest corners of Caribbean mythology from acclaimed author, Sarah Das, who crafts a chilling tale of magic, murder, and how far we'll go to protect what's ours. It's perfect for fans of Angeline Bully and Tiffany D. Jackson. So unlike other people on the small island of St. Virgil, Selena da Silva does not believe in magic. She has a logical mind. She likes botany. She wants to study pharmacology, but Then her mother gets sick and she's tethered to the island and she has to make money. So what does she do? She cons a couple gullible tourists with these useless talismans and phony protection rituals. But then one of the tourists ends up dead and at the center of a strange string of murders. And the truth Selena has been denying can no longer be avoided. There is evil lurking in the forest that surround St. Virgil. And to find out what that evil is, make sure to pick up It Waits in the Forest by Sarah Das. And thanks again to Disney Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Kalian Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> I am just going to talk forever.
1: Okay, so our next question is from Laura, who says, I'm looking for a recommendation for a friend who's having a hard time. She's looking for books that will be very captivating and engaging. And although they don't have to be constantly uplifting, Hopeful would be vastly preferable to Bleak. Recently, she's enjoyed Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine, Olive Kittredge, and books by Hannah Kent, although those were far more brutal than she is looking for right now. I recommended Sorcerer to the Crown, and she's loving it. Fantasy welcomed. Amanda, what did you pick for this question?
0: I picked The Ruthless Lady's Guide to Wizardry by C.M. Wagoner, which I'm not finished with, but I'm listening to on audio, and it is delightful. It's like a magical lesbian version of... All, like all over twist it, or any <laughs> any kind of dickin insert your dickens that sounds like a, something else <laughs> 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 Woo, lost the plot i've lost the plot y'all okay so <laughs> delaria wells is the main character she goes by delhi she is a petty thief and with a drinking problem in this like victorian-ish kind of london the city is called lice court it's whatever well, it's london and, it, like, everybody's addicted to gin and opium and everybody's a criminal. Like, it's just very Dickensian. Um, and so she is poor. She's been cursed by her landlady. There's magic here. She's a fire witch. She's been cursed by her landlady that if she doesn't pay her rent within the next, like, week or so or whatever, the landlady is going to, like, put boils on her or something terrible. Oh, my God. So, right. So she's like, well, this is not good. So she's, like, looking for a job. So she finds – she sees a one ad for a female bodyguard to, like, a very wealthy woman who's about to get married and feels like her life is being threatened. And Laria is like, whatever, rich people are so hysterical. It's probably nothing. It sounds like an easy job. I will go do this thing and then I will not get boils put on me by my landlady. Everything will be fine. So she gets the job and finds out that the threat is not fake. This woman is in danger. This like rich young lady who's about to be married is in danger. There's a lot of assassination attempts that Delhi has to deal with. And there are also... Other women on her team who are other bodyguards, including Wynne, who she is like... At first, Deli is like, oh, a Mark. This Wynn seems like she's got money. Maybe I can long con her and convince her to wife me up so I don't have to deal with this crap anymore <laughs> of living on the streets. But then, like, she catches feelings and it's kind of hashtag complicated. Uh, there's magic everywhere. It's so delightful and, like, chaotic and fun and weird. And I love... Like, the magic is weird delhi is a complete smart aleck like street urchin with fire magic well how would it be a street urchin with fire magic like sign me up for that maybe without the drinking problem definitely without the drinking problem it's just delightful and like super super fun so that's the ruthless Ladies guide to wizardry by cm wagoner
1: and i have to bump that one up on my list it's great Well, so I also went with fantasy, and I went with my personal, like, chicken soup comfort read, which is Howl's Moving Castle by Diane Wynne-Jones. I don't know how to, like, talk about this book without gushing a lot. Uh, It's really, it's really lovely. Um, And I think probably lots of folks have read it, but maybe she hasn't. And uh, it is sort of an old school classic. So I think there are folks who have not encountered it. And it is about Sophie, who is the eldest of three daughters. She lives in a world where there is magic. And uh, the oldest daughter, generally speaking in fairy tales, is the one who, like, Nothing works out for her. Does not get to have adventures. And Sophie has sort of internalized this and is like, my life is going to be boring and stayed forever at the end. And then one day, you know, this woman walks into her hat shop. She works in a hat shop. And, like, Sophie manages to insult her and she gets cursed by this witch to turn into a little lady. And she's like, well, that suits me just fine. Like, I am internally 60 years old anyway. So, like, who cares? Um, And then she stomps off to have an adventure. And it is... A delight. And it. I think when I think about the feelings of Sorcerer to the Crown, like that sort of bantery dialogue and the magical surroundings and the like playing with the tropes of fantasy, Howl's Moving Castle does all of those things. So again, that is Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones.
0: All right. Our next question is from Carrie, who says, I work as a page at my local library, so I tend to judge a book by its cover when I'm shelving. I look at the cover first, then read the title, then read the synopsis. If the cover doesn't catch me, I usually don't read the synopsis. Can you give me recommendations for books that you thought did not have appealing covers, but had a story that turned out to be super great? No romance, but all other genres, including nonfiction, are welcome. Okay. I picked The Jet Setters by Amanda Air Ward because it's, the ter- it's a terrible cover. And I don't... There's, like, no way for me to talk about this without insulting someone. So, like, just please don't send me a DM. I'm sorry. I, your taste in coverage is perfect and without flaw. I <laughs> thought this cover was awful. It's, like, cartoon. It's that, you know, it's just that new, like, graphic-y, cartoony-looking kind of thing that every cover is now that I just, I'm, like, don't prefer. I just don't prefer it. That's it. It's, like, very bright. It has uh, beachy things on it, like beach towels and stuff. Ugh. I don't know. It looks like a thing you'd buy a book you'd buy at the airport, you know, on your way to a vacation. Which actually, now that I'm saying that out loud, sounds kind of awesome because I need to get out of here anyway. Right. <laughs> um, but I picked it up because uh, Reese Witherspoon picked it as like a, a whatever one of her book clubs, and also because it has a 70 year old main character. And I, ever since I read The Switch, I am like extremely here for elderly women main characters. I want to read all the books about 70 year old women, all of them. Every single one. And only 70. No one else is allowed. Just only seven year old women. And so this is about a woman named Charlotte, who is obviously 70. Um, her husband has recently died. Her best friend has recently... No, her husband died. Sorry. Not recently. Many moons ago. Like, many, many moons ago. Which, like, she was in her 30s. Her, but her best friend has recently died. And so she is very alone. And her three kids... They don't have a great relationship. Some of them don't speak to each other. Almost none of them speak to her uh, for reasons that you get throughout the book. And she has decided that she's going to enter this jet setter contest to win a cruise for her whole family. And it's from, like, Greece to Spain, uh, Mediterranean cruise. And, uh, like, take this time to, you know, bring her kids back together and fix her family because she's got nobody else. And so she wins. And, like, her and her kids, who are all grown and have partners or um, spouses, whatever, of their own, like kids of their own. Some of them have to like go on this, don't have to, but like go on this cruise with her. And it is mortifying and hilarious. (laughs) They all have secrets. I will say they're a couple, no, just the one trigger warning here for suicide. And their secrets are just, some of them are like, why didn't you just say that to your family? But you know, there's no accounting for family malfunctions or dysfunction. It's just one of those really gossipy, juicy, Everyone is terrible in, like, very relatable ways. They, like, make better choices as the book goes on. It's just satisfying, you know? It, like, scratches that rich people doing dumb crap and then being better at the end itch that I have, also <laughs> with the 70-year-old main character. So, cover bad, book awesome. So, that's The Jet Setters by Amanda Air Ward.
1: Yeah, I don't like saying negative things on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But a book I recently bumped up on my TBR because of how many people are raving about it is Big Friendship by Aminatu Sow and Anne Friedman. And the reason I didn't, I had it round real low is because I do not respond well to this cover. Basically anything about it. I just don't. I don't like it. I really don't like it. And I don't understand it, but that's a rant for a different day. So, but I I like I cannot get away from people talking about how amazing this book is, mm-hmm. which is not a surprise when you consider the authors, right? Aminatousa and Anne Friedman are great, re- like, respectively and together. And their friendship is sort of like famous on the Internet. I mean, it's literally they have this podcast together that is all about, you know how much they love each other basically uh no that's not all it's about but anyway they have been friends for a very long time and their friendship has uh had its ups and downs and this book is all about that and also like how important it is to put work into your friendships which is not a thing that we as a society talk about that much I feel like I'm seeing it more now than I used to but like I feel like friendships are supposed to be the relationships that just work, right? Like, you have to, like, invest in your romantic relationships. But friendships, like, they're just perfect or you dump the friend. Like, oh, I don't need them. But that's not, that's not true of any relationship in life. Like, that's not how people work. That's not how friendships work. Not good ones. And, you know, that's not how anything works. So <laughs> this book is very much about, like, why it's important to put energy and, you know, think about friendship in a different kind of way than we're used to seeing it portrayed. And I, I'm excited to read it, except for that I really, I really don't like the cover. <laughs> so again, that's Big Friendship by Amina Sao and Anne Friedman. All right. Our last question is from another Lauren, uh, who says, With the world as crazy as it is now, I'd love to find some really happy novels to dig into. It doesn't matter the genre. I just need some escapism. Amanda, what escapist book did you pick?
0: I picked The Bookish Life of Nina Hill by Abby Waxman, which is a novel about the human embodiment of millennial Instagram neuroses. (laughs) (laughs) that's just what it is so nina hill is uh, a lot of people will find her very relatable is the thing that i'm gonna say she's like very neurotic she is a millennial she's about to turn 30 she lives in california and works at a small independent bookstore um she has a lot of anxiety because who wouldn't when you work in an independent bookstore Mm. i have experience with that and she has a cat and really likes to bullet journal and is very good at trivia and these are the things that make up her day. She is, like, super happy with it, though. Like, she's not very interested in changing anything about her life. She doesn't really like meeting new people. She's an introvert. Uh, Her mother is a very, like, famous photographer, jet setter, who had her um, as a single mom and then kind of, like, left her in LA with a nanny and ran off to continue her life, which is fine. Like, Nina does not have resentment about that because her mother is an amazing... Hilarious visitor into her life and her nanny was great. So she's not like mad about it. It's just another, like she does. She's not great at forming really intimate connections with other people. And then one day when she's at work at the bookstore, uh, an attorney comes in and tells her that her father, who she did not know existed, well, exi- obviously exi- had to exist because she's here, but like does not know anything about him has died and has left her a lot of money in his will. And not only is that happening, but he had three wives other than, um, her mother who all had children. So she has this huge extended family that all live in LA and they all want to meet her because she's in the will, you know, and that's a problem for some of them. Some of them just want to meet her out of curiosity. And so she freaks out because she's not like interested in meeting other people. She did not realize, you know, that she has, she's now got like 14 brothers and like, what do I do with 14 brothers? I just want to go to trivia and sit with my bullet journal and like read my books and talk to my cat. Like, oh my God, you know, she just like freaks out. (laughs) But that's kind of it. Like there's some romance conflict uh, in it not with any of the brothers obviously but with like somebody from another trivia team and it's just about a like 30 year old woman who has some family drama and inherits some cash maybe you don't really know what her inheritance is and um, like works at a bookstore and has a cat named phil it's super funny and Abby. <laughs> <laughs> i know it's really great that's Abby, so- that is quite a name for a cat <laughs> <laughs> it's a good it's good and he like brings her dead earthworms oh yeah her writing style is very bridget jonesy like it's an it's an interior monologue that's witty and self-deprecating very neurotic as i've said um it can be a little fire hosy at times where she starts to have it's just um, narrating her life so like her ner- she's neurotic about picking her tea she's neurotic about going to work she's neurotic, you know she's just a ball of anxiety but it's not unmanageable. And it's not about a plague (laughs) or about democracy crumbling. It's about like, what do you do I drink today? You know what I mean? It's just fuzzy. It's warm. It's cozy. It's fun. It's escapist. So that's The Bookish Life of Nina Hill by Abby Waxman.
1: So in terms of escapist, I went with alternate history heist Western because obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, And I'm recommending American Hippo by Sarah Gailey, which is a two book novella i don't know if to call it series duology anyway uh river of teeth was the first one taste of marrow is the second one an american hippo gathers them both together in one volume so you get you know double the trouble and uh yeah the it's so much fun it takes place in this alternate america in which the united states decided to introduce hippos to louisiana to, like, try to bust up the cattle, you know, monopoly. And they were like, well, hippos, like, they they can be meat and we can farm them. (laughs) That plan does not work out great. Hippos are very aggressive. They are very fast. And, like, they are not manageable like cows. And so uh, the first one picks up in the 1890s and... Like feral hippos have infested Louisiana and this uh, sort of, you know, I don't want to call him a con man necessarily, but like he's like a very independent sort of gentleman. Winslow Houndstooth has like managed to get a very lucrative government contract to deal with the hippo problem. And he assembles this like ragtag team of miscreants who, of course, become found family and like have adventures involving hippos and explosives and like all kinds of, you know, outlaws. And it's just it's really fun. It's really, really, really fun. It is extremely escapist in the best possible way. And the casting, like, there's such a broad, fun cast of characters. It's really, it's very delightful in in a lot of different ways. So, again, that's American Hippo by Sarah Gailey. And that is our show. Woohoo! Thanks so much to our audio editor, Jen Zink, who cleans up all of our flubs. Thank you all for listening. We super appreciate that. We also really appreciate it when you leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts because it helps other folks to find the show and we do love to see the feedback. Thanks go out to our sponsors for making the show possible. And in between episodes, you can find us on social media. Amanda, where are you?
0: I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson.
1: And you can also find me mostly on Instagram these days at I am Jen IRL. That's I-A-M-J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And we will talk to you next time.